We are Vintage City Church based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome to our podcast. As a family, we are currently studying the Book of Romans. If you'd like to watch the live video of this teaching, head over to VintageCityChurch.com. We are so glad you are here. Let's get started with today's teaching. All right. That's all you get. One of my, um, what has become one of my greatest joys as a leader is being able to, to develop and release the gifts in this house. It's so fun. Um, I would say in my, in my journey, it's rare to come across young men who just have that uncanny ability to come under authority and turn themselves inside out for a cause. How many have been around somebody, you're like, I got a couple friends like that. You know, you, you get around them, you're like, I feel like my entire life I'm gonna play catch up with you. Um, for, for the past four or five years, five years I think now, uh, this house has been incredibly blessed by a, a young man who's worked behind the scenes tirelessly to keep things going, um, to organize the safety side of life and, and uh, I remember when Pastor Ben found him, he just pulled me aside. He's like, uh, yeah, he's probably gonna work with you for a long time. I'm like, why? He's like, because he's the only guy I've ever met that's as crazy driven as you are. <laughs> um, so I, I love being able to uh, introduce, uh, I've invited Daniel Sokolowski. How many know Daniel? How many know who Daniel is? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to turn Daniel loose to just share from the scriptures with you because a lot of you know how to take operational grace from him. I'd love for you to learn how to take teaching grace from him. Uh, so would you welcome him? Have fun, buddy. Thank you. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Excited to give my first and maybe my last teaching at Vintage. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know me, again, my name is Daniel, and I'm one of the executive pastors here at Vintage City Church. I have the privilege of being married to my wife, Katie. Uh, we're going on eight years here in January. And we are parents to four daughters, Anna, Sophia, Grayson, and Quinn, six, five, three, and 16 months. Uh, we also have two female Australian shepherds, uh, one who we've had for quite a while. The second one was a poor life decision. Um, no, she's great. She's a lovable, furry terrorist that my children have fallen in love with, so we get to keep her. In the spring of uh, 2018, my wife and I attended our first gathering at Vintage when we were still located at Sharp Point. I remember this gathering and attending it and thinking as we sat through what was an incredibly uncomfortably long worship set and a pretty solid teaching. And I just remember thinking, what is going on here? Of course, I noticed the attention to detail that Vintage put into its facilities, its hospitality, its quality of music, and the overall experience. But the summation of our visit ended with my wife and I walking out. I was holding her tightly and I said, we are never going back there again. <laughs> 
After my experiences, I often do, I confided in my father and expressed my concern about going to a church that believed in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It was just too weird. I'll never forget him responding to me and saying, I am sick of lukewarm church. I want to go to a place where God is present, where people are healed, and where we're actually expecting our God to show up and do something. Growing up in a more traditional denomination and then transitioning to non-denominational churches, my experience at Vintage still didn't sit well with me. I began to ask the Lord, why do I feel so uncomfortable? And all I'd continue to hear was my father, I'm sick of lukewarm church. So I continued to ask, do I go to the weird, uncomfortable church? <laughs> For me, this answer became more clear as I pressed in to the uncomfortable, which I now recognize for me was the Holy Spirit. It was this that pushed me to study his word and speak to him in those moments when worship didn't seem quite enough. And when my heart became settled with who the Lord is, singing many of these truths over and over wasn't a drudge anymore. This is where I got to speak a proper perspective of who God is over and over and over. And boy, did I need that. Sorry. A little more about me. Um, when it came time to start this building project, Greg approached me and asked me to be the project manager. Excited and terrified and definitely naive, I accepted. Uh, you see, I have the undeserved honor of overseeing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of infrastructure and construction for the federal government. Uh, but this ask from Greg felt different. It was different. See, the funds for this project were being used to build the Lord's house. A dwelling place for him to reside and paid for by the resources that this family, my family, brought. This project was a heavy burden that pushed me to rely on the Lord more than I ever had. And about halfway through the construction, Greg asked me to step into my current role as the executive pastor over business development. I can't tell you how honored I am to serve this house. I get the privilege of leading our team and our body and systems that allow us to operate and minister more efficiently and effectively. Man, it's really hard to read your notes when you can't see. Uh, <laughs> Our staff and I work on the operational components of the church. Thank you, ma'am. As it pertains to things like communication, the management of facilities, our finance, personnel, and all that's required to make our gatherings happen and our church operate. I want to pick us back up in our study of Romans. So without further ado, here we go. We're going to be in Romans 12, 6 through 8. Last week, David Mitchell shared these three important words that I want to use as a lens to discern this passage. Diligent, cheerful, and generous. Romans 12, 6. 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to be led, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I wanna look at two of these during our time today, serving and giving. Brace yourselves, it'll be okay. <laughs> Verse seven, if it is serving, then serve. Well, that seems pretty straightforward, right? Serving just requires serving. Within weeks of committing to stay at Vintage, I began to serve in roles overseeing the formalization of our life safety team and leading that, overseeing facilities projects and helping to run our condo association and assisting in some of the operations of the church. You see, for me, serving wasn't an option because early in my journey with the Lord, I recognized that my hunger for a relationship with Jesus wasn't something that just naturally came to me. I knew that I had to surround myself with his people. I needed to be encouraged by being accountable to show up. Greg shared this message with the folks at the Connect Dinner on Wednesday, and I think it's so pertinent that I wanna share it with you today. The Surgeon General of the United States, his name is Vivek Murthy, published a journal on behalf of the Public Health Service as it pertains to the mental health crisis that we currently face in our nation. In this journal article, it says, volunteering in your community and helping others can be a great way to connect with people, build a sense of purpose, and develop your own sense of self-worth. Helping others when you are the one struggling can seem counterintuitive, but service is a powerful antidote to isolation, and it reminds us that we have value to add to the world. You see, this man, not a believer, has the data to prove that service is one of the most powerful antidotes to one of the very things that's ravishing our country. Can we just take a moment to recognize the possibility that our God, the creator of the universe, built us to be servants? And can we go a step further to say that when we step outside of how we were created to operate in service, we begin to lose sight of who it is he has called us to be, equipped us to be, and desires us to be. We were made to serve. How do we go about this service? We are diligent to make it a priority. We show up with a cheerful attitude. We don't have to serve. We get to serve. And we do it with generosity, which means to show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. This is what we're being called into, to show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. That's how we serve. Continuing into verse eight, 
We get to the topic of giving. If it is giving, then give generously. Giving requires an open hand with intentional generosity. Why here does Paul choose to say, give generously? I believe it's because generosity requires trust. You see, it doesn't take a thorough examination of the world to know that we're heading into some pretty uncertain times. Fiscally, we're seeing businesses crumble, costs of employment skyrocket, and the cost of basic necessities and services inflate to increasingly uncomfortable levels. I want to remind us of a few important passages that help us to understand giving. They break giving down into two categories, the tithe and the offering. For us as believers, I think that offering is an open-ended equation. First Chronicles 16.29 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What we bring to the Lord has nothing to do with the times that we live in. It has to do with who he is. And out of an understanding of who he is, which we develop through our quiet time with the Lord, our time spent reading his word, our time spent worshiping, our time spent serving, and I would present our time spent giving, we press into this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. Knowing that this commodity, our money, that the Lord granted us is so necessary for life and living, would we consider that the act of giving is also necessary for life and living as God intended it? Luke 6:38, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The second category of giving is the tithe, which I believe is a discipline of consistency. Romans eleven sixteen says, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Here, it certainly seems implied, if it isn't directly stated, that because we have a tendency to love money, or at least like it a lot, okay, it's just me, <laughs> we give this to the Lord to sanctify the rest of our yield. It seems to express that if we do this, the rest of our produce is to be blessed. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. If we back up to verse six, we see a bit more context. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. 
Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And then it goes on. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. I believe the mistake that I see us make here is we look at our personal finance and we say, well, giving isn't the thing the Lord has called me into. Or we say things like, well, the finance given to the rest of the family is sufficient, so I don't need to take part. May I present that we are to take our place with the entire body joining together as we bring what the Lord has asked us to bring. In tithes, in offerings, our finance is not our finance, but rather the measure that the Lord has entrusted us to handle. Will we bury it in a field? Or will we bring it to the storehouse? So where are we at in this calling? To serving, Matthew 20, 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Will you commit to making the choice to serve? Will you join a team and get involved? Will you help us to shape this city? To the tithe, as part of what the Lord is doing in the local church, I'm asking for this family to make the choice to trust God with 10%. And the continual financial support of this church. We seek to make an encounter with the Holy Spirit a priority. We seek to win souls to Christ. We seek to see lives restored. We seek to meet, reach many in local and global missions. The financial commitment is what I see as necessary to step into the calling that the Lord has placed on our lives as a body of believers. So test the Lord. If you aren't able to start with 10%, start with one, then go to two, then go to three. You see, I haven't seen anyone that I've challenged into this that started the process that didn't back up, end up back at 10, because God is faithful. To the offerings, I'm going to speak to some specific things because this is my wheelhouse and I'm up here, so I get to say that. <laughs> here are some of the practical things that we can look at that are areas that I believe the Lord is calling us to partake in. Kingdom mischief. 
This is uh, an event that we do once every year during the Vintage Give season. And this year we're looking to raise $30,000 within the next three weeks. Not audacious, we can do that, no problem. To bring 250 families in the local area a special meal for the holidays that they couldn't afford on their own. If you have any reluctancy to giving to a church, 100% of these proceeds go right to the cause. The Fit and Finish campaign. Here we go. We're looking to cover the final costs of what it took to fit out and finish this space. And that is in the amount of $496,000, which we're looking to close out at the end of this year. If you are here and you are part of our family, God has called us into this. I have no doubt. And we aren't asking you to give out of compulsion. We want you to receive the blessings that God has promised us. If you believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can rest in this promise. Paul in Philippians 4, 15 through 17 says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. As Katie and I began preparations to be married, I wanted to take an accounting of uh, my fiscal stance and what I had to offer, just so that she knew part of all of the horrible things she was getting into when she married me. <clears throat> Based on the previous debt that I had incurred through a series of bad decisions and a lack of bringing my finance before the Lord, and I don't mean figuratively, I mean literally, bringing my finance before the Lord, I had accumulated quite a burden of debt. As an aside here, I think one of the best practices as believers that we can do with our finances is we literally take that number, that salary number, and we bring it before the Lord. Invite your spouse into it and say, all right, Lord, here's my tithe, you know, whatever that 10% calculation is. Here's all my expenses. What is it you'd have me to do? Based on my rough calculations, we would be somewhere between $1,300 and $1,500 a month in the red. That's not the good color, by the way, in finance. <laughs> How would we pay for our vehicles, our mortgage, our clothes, our food? These are all the things that I was worried about heading into this relationship where I felt like I was supposed to be bringing so much more. Knowing full well that the numbers didn't make sense, I asked Katie if she would commit with me as husband and wife to give 10% of everything that we made to the church. And we were resting on that promise in Malachi 3. So we did. We tested the Lord, and He provided. It wasn't immediate, 
but he brought us opportunity after opportunity, promotion after promotion. Not only were we able to put our 10% towards our tithe, I was able to put 10% into a 401k. And we never missed a payment. I have no earthly idea how that was possible because the numbers just didn't make any sense. But I have a heavenly perspective of how it was possible. He provided and then some. I had the opportunity to meet with a woman about a week ago. We were talking about finance and how gracious God is and all these things. And she told me that a little while back, her husband's mother passed away. And in the settling of the estate, uh, they received a check in the mail, a pretty sizable one. Several days after it finally cleared, you know, because big checks take a long time. Okay, yeah. Uh, her husband walks through the door and says, honey, I lost my job. So she picks up her phone and he says, what are you doing? And she said, I'm tithing on that money before we can afford to. You see, even after we've made giving and serving a practice, things will come up in life that the enemy wants to use as an opportunity to create a separation from the Lord, a separation from our family. The enemy wants us to stand alone. He wants us to be isolated. We must encourage one another to continually step into what the Lord is calling us to. We must encourage one another to give of our time and our treasure. Sometime after that husband lost his job, about two months, he got a new job with a sizable increase in salary. Here's what I know, and here's what I can promise. God is faithful. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Can we commit to serving? Can we commit to giving? Can we be obedient and trust him? That's what I'm asking. Thank you for your time with us. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to invite you to join us at a live gathering. We are located at 1501 Academy Court in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about Vintage City Church, including our gathering times, previous teachings, and how to become a part of our family, visit us today at VintageCityChurch.com and be sure to connect with us on social media.